Well, I am so um, excited to be here this morning. Um, just an honor to be asked to speak to you all and um, pass on. Somebody said I was going to give you all my wisdom. I was like, yeah, but you got about an hour, and then, then I think I'm out. Um, so I, I am just excited, and if you would just take a minute, I'm going to pray um, as we get going. Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you for motherhood. I thank you for the design and the wonder and the privilege of being moms. And I just pray um, for this group of ladies today that they would leave um, with just a a better understanding of your word, of a sense of the importance um, of what they've been called to, and a vision, just a bigger vision um, for what it includes. Would you help me today just to communicate well and to remember um, everything I want to say? And that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, Desi introduced me a little bit. um, But I did want to um, take the opportunity to introduce you to my kiddos. So I'm going to go. One more. There we go. Well, it's still fun. I never, I never uh, get tired of watching those videos. Um, but they do grow up quickly. Um, you met my three kiddos. Um, I wanted to tell you just a little bit um, about my background. Um, I um, have an undergraduate degree in business as well as a master's degree in business. And I did spend um, some years, several years um, in the work world before we had kids. David and I were married for eight years before we first had Micah. And when we had Micah, um, David was in seminary. So um, at that time, I was self-employed. 
um, as a computer consultant, and I did consulting with database management and, and things like that. And so I continued that part-time um, for several years, and then um, sometime between Jessica and Justin, um, I uh, retired from that and became a full-time stay-at-home mom, and I stayed home um, for several years with the kids. Um, at the end of that period of time, I did um, pick up a part-time job and... Um, Let's see what was I say? Oh, and we also made the choice to homeschool. So um, I homeschooled my kids for eight years until about two years ago. And um, when my husband's job situation changed, and that, it was about that time that we found ourselves here at Watermark, and there was a position available for me. And so we made a decision at that point that I would go ahead and take um, the job here at Watermark and that we would switch roles for a season. And so since that time, David has been the one home with the kids and um, currently stays home and handles the homeschooling and a lot of the, the stuff that has to be done at home um, while I've been out working full time. So I have kind of spanned the the range of, of different work and home situations through my years. Um, I did want to start off and just say, you know, my purpose for being here today is not to convince everybody that the only way to go is to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, my heart as I addressed this topic and prepared this was that, you know, so often we struggle as moms with feeling important and that what we're doing is important. And so my prayer is that each of you would leave today with just um, more of a foundation of what Scripture has to say and the value that God places on you as a mom and a bigger vision for what that means and what that incorporates. Um, and if you are in a place where you are kind of wrestling with a decision about do I stay home, do I work, um, I just pray that what I present today will, will serve as a foundation from which that you can prayerfully um, make that choice. Okay. Um, all right. So that said, I wanted to start off with just a good illustration of what it's like to be a mom. I know, you know, y'all are here because of that. And you just, you know, we are so busy. Uh, our days are full, especially um, when you're home with young kids. It's just we do so much and we say so much in a day that I thought that um, this next video clip was just a perfect illustration of what it's like for us as moms. So strap on your seatbelt. Here we go. Get up out of bed, wash your face, brush your teeth, comb your sleepy head. Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework at? Grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast for the eggs, for the and the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall. She's lovely, but hurry, the bus is here. Be careful, come back here. Did you wash behind your ears? Play outside, don't leave rope, but you just play fair. Be polite, make a friend, don't forget to share. Work it out, wait your turn, never take a dare. Get along, don't make me come down there. Clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away. Make your bed, do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some? Hey, can you even hear a word I say? Close your mouth when you chew, we'd appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your pork, do not burp, or I'll set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an A, get a door, don't be smart with me. Get a grip, get in here on count two, three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a dose. Stand up straighter when you walk. 
tired watching her. Okay. All right. As I mentioned, um, my heart in this was really to present to you all just that you would walk away with just a, a new understanding, a new heartfelt, um, just getting the importance of, of your job as a mom. And, and I really think that that's difficult for us for two reasons. One is because of the messages and the images that the world constantly throws at us um, about what motherhood is all about and the value of motherhood. And the other piece is that our lives are just so repetitive and feel so trivial in the things that we do every day that we get buried. We feel like we're buried in diapers and dirty dishes and we can't, um, we can't see the value um, of who we are as mom. Uh, so I wanted to start off, I went and researched and just found a few images that um, it felt like uh, this is kind of what the world presents to us. And, you know, I, whoops, I went too much, too far. Um, first is just, you know, that mom is, you know, you can have a career, you can have kids, and, and there's no problem. It's just an easy, easy thing and that um, everything can fit together and you, you can have it all. Um, the other is, I think this whole, we get this image of the perfect mom. I, I think Michelle Obama right now is the, is the picture, the epitome of that. Um, the perfect mom has an immaculate wardrobe. She has um, a fulfilling career. She has kids that are happy all the time and well-adjusted, and her husband is successful and, and good-looking and, and all that type of thing. And then just the whole image of the super mom that... Um, that you can, you should be, this is who you should be, and that um, personal fulfillment is really the most important thing. What you want to do and is, and, and you really, you know, motherhood isn't really that fulfilling, so that you've got to have something else in your life that's the main thing. And, you know, if you want your kids, you can kind of fit motherhood around the edges of that. Um, but mothering itself is not really that important to task. And really, there are other people out there who can do that better than you can. So you can just kind of focus on your thing and, and let other people um, help you um, and, and do a better job with your kids than you can. Um, and as I, you know, thought through that, I really feel like the question that we've got to wrestle with is, you know, is motherhood really, is it a lesser option? And, and I believe that's the, the heart of a lot of what we hear from the world, that motherhood is the lesser thing that we can do with our time, or is it a divine calling? So from here, I wanted to go and just spend some time um, with the scripture and look at what scripture has to say in answer to that question. And I'm going to start off with really the obvious part. I'm going to start off with God's physical design. Um, male and female, God created them. God made us female. Okay? He physically created us, wired us with all the plumbing and all the parts that we need to bear children. Okay? And... That is part of who he made us to be. In Genesis 3.20, we see it again. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And it was part of God's original, perfect design that women are created to bear children. And I know there's been so many um, points in my life where I have prayed, Oh, Lord, you know, I want to be everything that you have made me to be. I want to, to be and do all that you have created me for. What is that, Lord? And often when I'm praying that prayer, I'm overlooking the obvious. Um, if God has blessed you with children, which you wouldn't be in this room if you didn't have them, then God has created you to be a mother. And that's a good thing. And not only is it a good thing, God said himself that it is a very good thing. Genesis 131, God saw all he made and it was very good. It is a very good thing to be a mother. And um, that is part of his design for us. The next thing I see in scripture is just the importance of children. Um, scripture clearly points out that children are a blessing. Psalm 127, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And then from the mouth of Jesus um, in Matthew 18 and 19, whoever welcomes me welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Okay, Scripture tells us that children are a blessing. They are so important. God loves them and um, has stewarded them to us 
um, as a very uh, precious thing. Okay? Now the next thing um, that we see in Scripture sometimes I think is a little harder for us to process. I, uh, I had an opportunity several months back um, to go to the Word and wrestle with the question of what does Scripture have to say um, about whether a, a mom should work outside the home or not. And I really spent time just poring over the Word and looking and trying to see what, what does God's Word say about this. And my opinion after spending that time was I did not see anywhere in Scripture that it prohibits a mom from working outside the home. Um, but I did see, what I did see there is that um, for a, a woman, particularly with um, young children and um, married with children, that the, our home is to be a priority. Okay, And there's several places, a couple places particularly I got this from. Um, the first being Proverbs 31. There are a couple verses. I mean, this was a very busy woman, and um, I we're all intimidated by her. And there are very places where it's very clear that she did work outside the home. Um, she planted a vineyard. She earned money. She um, uh, sold things to the merchants. Um, but most of the activity that we see from her in this uh, passage has to do with her home and her household. Okay, verse 15, she provides food for her family. Verse 21, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. This woman's priority was her home. It was her home and her household. And she was praised for that. You can tell, um, verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband praises her. Her family um, praised her. They felt taken care of and uh, prioritized by her. Okay. Um, the other passage that um, talks about this pretty clearly is from Titus. Um, chapter 2 and this is Paul talking giving instructions for what things should happen in a church in the church and he's saying this is what older women should do how how they should train younger women Uh, then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure to be busy at home to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God okay he's talking about that this is um, this is the way that things should operate so that the word of God is honored, okay? And I think we struggle with the whole, um, this term, to be busy at home, you know, and I think NAS says uh, to be workers at home. And and I just have a, I just wanted to ask real quickly, when you hear that term, okay, when you hear, okay, I'm supposed to be busy at home, what, what tasks immediately come to mind? Cleaning, Cleaning dishes, cooking. cooking. Okay, and and those are all true. I mean, that, we stay very busy at home with those those things. But I really believe that there's a broader definition to that term, and I'm I'm going to go through that. I found this in one of the commentaries on this passage, and I thought it was so well done and helps us to just see the different aspects of our home being a priority. Okay, the first aspect is what all what you just named. It's housekeeping. Okay. If you live in a house and you have a family, especially with young children and even older children like mine are, um, there's just a lot that has to be done to keep house. Okay, You've got to do the laundry and you've got to do the dishes and you've got to kick the food. There's just all of that that has to be done. And, you know, there's value in that. And we get tired of that. And But there is such value in that. I mean, those things have to be done. And when they're done with excellence and with a heart for um, honoring the Lord, it brings, um, it brings a sense of stability and order and calm to our households. So it's easy to downplay this, this part of our role, but really um, it's very important. And you bring more than just you know, food on the table. It's something you bring um, as mom uh, when you're busy with these types of things um, to your household and the value that you bring in that. Okay, the second aspect is one uh, that's more better, is better termed homemaking. Okay, homemaking is really the process of taking a house and making it a home. And it can comprise all sorts of things. Okay, it can comprise, you know, the, the decorations and the paint on the, you know, colors of things and wallpaper and um, blinds and furniture and, and those things that, you know, make house a home. And, and some of us are really wired that way and love that. 
Okay, some of us are not, and that's perfectly okay. It doesn't mean you're not a homemaker. Okay, some of us may be wired to love cooking and love food or love baking, and that is something that you bring out of who God has created you to be to your home to make it to make it a home, the aromas that that creates and the, the environment that, that that brings in your household and with your family is part of homemaking. Okay? But you don't have to be um, Martha Stewart to, to, be, to have this play out in your home. It's really, I believe, what God has given you um, as a woman and as a mom and a wife that you bring to your household to make it home. Okay, one of the things that I love is um, I love celebrations and I love holidays and, and making those special. Um, with Valentine's Day, a couple, um, gosh, that was just last weekend, wasn't it? It goes fast. Um, I, you know, the beginning of the month I got out my few Valentine's decorations and I put them up in the place in the kitchen where, where I have space for that. And, and I bought, a, you know, some Valentine colored M&Ms and had them in a jar and um, the week before Valentine's I had bought some you know those little kid Valentine's and I several times through the week wrote little notes to my kids and left them for them and uh, we baked Valentine's cookies and frosted them and that was just something that I love and and so it was something that I was able to bring you know to my family to kind of create that home feeling and and again I really believe this can be you know, a myriad of things. It's who God has created you to be and how you bring that to your family and your home. Um, the third aspect of this, um, I think, is well-termed house building. For reference, you can look at Proverbs 14.1 here. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. As wives and mothers, we have a special role in building up our house. This has to do with the strength of our family and of the individuals in our family. Um, it has a lot to do with, um, as a wife, how we strengthen and build up our husbands and strengthen our marriage. It also has to do with how we build into our children and the strength that we bring and create through our efforts in our family as a whole. Um, I have had a unique um, opportunity over the last couple of years to really walk this out in my marriage. With David and I's roles being switched, um, it's been a very different season for us. And my husband is an absolutely amazing man. He has walked through this season in a manner that I believe few few men could do. He has handled it with such um, humility and with a heart to just embrace this season um, that God has given him. He has been thankful um, and done an excellent job in, in all that he does with the homeschooling and with the care that he gives the home. As a matter of fact, I'm a little intimidated if, if we ever switch again because he really kind of does a better job at that than I do. Um, I'm like, I'm not sure I can meet your standard. Um, but it's been a great thing. Uh, and he's just been thankful for the time that he's had with his kids and the opportunities he's had in building relationships with them. And so I'm, I am just so in awe of him and, and how he's handled that. Uh, but it's not been easy for him. I mean, the reality is for a man to be the one that stays home and his wife gets up and leaves every day and brings home the paycheck, that's just a hard thing. And it's something that he continually has to deal with, with the Lord. And he's done a great job, but... I have known that I had a special role to play in that and have really, um, thankfully, not always done it perfectly, but been able to be sure to do everything I could to build him up and to strengthen him and to, you know, in front of the kids to make sure that it's still very clear that daddy's the head of the household. Um, you know, I've had to learn to, you know, not come home with my work mode on and just plow through him and make decisions without consulting him or allowing him to be the one to make decisions um, and I think God has honored that and I think that's been part of the reason that he's been able to do this season so successfully and so I'm you know I'm very grateful for that that God has allowed me to build him up and to help make this a strong time uh, in our family and not one that could have been different okay all right and then the last thing um, I, I believe that you know, the whole thing that God designed us, physically created us to be mothers, that children are to be valued and uh, as a blessing in our household, and that home is to be our priority. If you pull all of that together, um, it fits in 
to understand why that is. That is because God intends the family is really a part of God's plan to reach the world for Christ. Um, Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. From the beginning, it was his plan that, I, we, that we be families and that we fill the earth. Okay? And his first, his first purpose was to use Israel as a means of reaching the nations. Israel was to be a light to the nations. But Israel was made up of families. So it was the family's responsibility to train the next generations to know God and to follow his ways. We see that in Deuteronomy 6-7. Um, he's talking about the law. Impress the law and the, my ways on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Okay? And then as, the, as Jesus came, God uses the church and his desire is to use the church as a means for reaching the world. Well, again, the church is made up of families. Um, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay. God's desire is to reach the world with his love and his purposes. And he wants to use the church, but the families make up the church. And I believe that one of the reasons that in our country that the church is not doing that great of a job in reaching people for Christ is because the families within the church don't look any different than families without of the church. And I am so excited to be a part of Watermark because I think one of the reasons we're so successful right now and are seeing weekly people come to know Jesus is because our families here are strong. Okay, There is no, um, especially in this room, there's no doubt that we are a very fertile church. Okay, um, the number of babies in this church is just blows me away. And pregnant women, um, in my ministry in the infant area right now, we literally are up 50% the number of babies than we were a year ago at this time. Okay, and we have this running joke with the marriage department that it's all their fault. Because if if they weren't doing such a good job with re-engage and premarital groups and foundation groups, we wouldn't have so many babies around here. Um, and but I tell you what, I I am so excited that that's something an issue we have to deal with, and I couldn't be more pleased. But that's how it works. I mean, the marriages here are strong, and the families are growing, and they're strong, and people are coming to know Christ because of it. So where I think this all leads us is that um, motherhood is nothing less than the divine calling of discipleship. Those little ones in your home are disciples of Christ. Okay? God desires, has made you in such a way that your role is to train them up to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And that is an exciting thing. That is the big picture. And I know where most of you are, that seems like forever away. But let me tell you, now that I'm standing where I am with a 14-year-old in my house who's about to be 15, it happens so fast. And all of a sudden, all of those years and all of that training when, when he was little, I'm praying like crazy that it sticks um, because it's not going to be long. And he's, you know, he's already making decisions on his own. Um, and it's, it's just, it really, really does matter. And that really is where you're headed. Okay, so discipleship just feels at times like this huge thing, especially when your kids are little. So I wanted to break that down some. And in this next section, I want to go through and just talk about discipleship. A lot of this is born from my own um, just experience, David and I's experience, and things that we felt like we've learned as parents over the last 14 years, and um, of some of the reading that I've done. And um, so I just want to pass this along to you. And this is the section that I hope will help um, broaden your vision for what your role is and what it means to be a mom. Okay? Um, the first thing I can tell you for sure um, about discipleship and discipling your children is that discipleship requires relationship. Now, I'm not talking here about a buddy-buddy kind of relationship with your children, okay? That's not what I'm referring to. Um, really, we have to look at Jesus as our example when we're talking about discipleship. 
Jesus shared relationship with his disciples. That's how he discipled them. He was with them. He lived life with them. He knew them. He understood them. He knew their strengths and their weaknesses. He was somebody they could come to and ask questions. He was a safe place. Okay? Relationship, sharing a relationship with your kids is, um, is really more of a, a good terminology is a heart connection. And it is something you have to work to maintain. Okay? You have a similar, it's kind of similar in our relationships with our husbands is that, you know, sometimes there's just those times when y'all, when you're just firing on all cylinders and your hearts are connected. And it's just good. But then there's times where it's, you're just, you know, with life being busy and things, you're just kind of missing each other. And that heart connection isn't there. Now, obviously, it's different between parent and child, but it is a matter of heart connections. One book I read termed it um, heart strings. That you just kind of watch for that connection. Um, and this really is probably the biggest lesson that David and I have learned in our years of how important relationship is. Um, from where I stand with a 14-year-old in my house, let me tell you, somewhere around 13, it all changes. Okay, we we kind of we had the whole elementary, you know, kid age thing down, but the rules all change somewhere. I'm not sure where, and we've spent the last year or so just kind of feeling like we're treading water because it is such a new season for us. And as I'm watching my son and. And, you know, I always thought I was not going to have the typical teenager in my house. But honestly, we have had late night conversations about every typical thing. Um, Length of hair, um, choice of music, uh, schoolwork, what time you get up in the morning. We've had all of those conversations. Um, And not all been easy conversations. But I am so thankful that we poured as much um, as we have into building a relationship with him that we can walk through those conversations and come out on the other side in a good place. And um, as he's out and beyond our control more and is having to make his own decisions, I am so glad that, um, that we're a safe place for him and that we have that relationship. Over the years, we have done... Um, um, and dates are important in our house, individual, you know, dad-kid dates, mom-kid dates. Um, we've done family nights. We've made family vacations a priority. Um, we have just tried to build the relationships between us and our kids and to maintain those through the years. And this is not, this is not a one-time thing that you get it down and, and you're good for the rest of the 18 years. Um, this is something you just have to continually work at to maintain and build this relationship. Um, as a reference, I wanted to, um, this is a book I've read recently. Some of you may be familiar with it. George Barna, uh, Revolutionary Parenting. Highly recommend this book. George Barna, if you're not familiar with him, uh, writes several books, but he does research. That's really who he is. He's a researcher, and he has a group, and they do a lot of research into the Christian home and into the church and things like that. And then they compile all the research and write a book about it. So for this book, he went out and found a group of 20-somethings that are what we would term at Watermark fully devoted followers of Christ. Okay, These are young people who are running hard after Jesus. Okay, and seem to have it all together. He uses the term spiritual champions um, to define them. So he went out, he found these young people and interviewed them about their parents and about their upbringing and what did their parents do. And then he went and interviewed their parents. Okay, and he compiled all that information into this book. Okay, and he has several different conclusions, well worth reading, not a not a hard read at all. Okay, but uh, he came in the, one of the chapters. He lists kind of the top five lessons learned. This is lesson number one. Your impact on your children's lives is proportional to the depth of the relationship you have fostered with them. Okay? Um, I'm going to read a little bit more of what he says here in this section of the book. Your ability to influence your children is dependent upon them respecting you and trusting you. Expecting them to do what you say simply because you are their parent I'm the mom, I'm the mom, Um, doesn't work for long. Unless you have gained their attention and favor by becoming a genuine confidant, they eventually will opt for other alternatives. Once you have created a true relationship with them, they will be open to your guidance, even when it seems counterintuitive, exceedingly difficult, or out of step with cultural norms. 
boy, is that my prayer for my son in this season of life. Now, I know a lot of you with little ones feel like, oh my goodness, I, you know, they don't even talk. How can I have a relationship with them? Um, but I just want to share this as a perspective giver, as something that you put out there and know that this is what you're working toward and striving to do the rest of your life with your kids, okay? Um, one of the things I wrote down is that, you know, I, there is something really sweet um, in my relationship with my son. There's something about having a son who's taller than you are um, that's just kind of cool. Uh, I'm having a little harder time now that my daughter's taller than I am. That doesn't feel quite as natural. But um, but my son being taller than I am and just um, the relationship that we share is, is really sweet. And not that I don't want to strangle him several times a week, but... Um, but we do share a sweet relationship. Okay, this next thing about dis- that discipleship requires really follows easily on the relationship. Uh, that discipleship requires time. Again, we look at Jesus. Jesus was with his disciples. He lived life with them. Um, he he ate with them. He he taught them as they went. He used everything in life to um, to disciple them, which is exactly what you're doing uh, when you're with your kids is using all of those things in the moment he didn't just give them a sermon and walk away okay he did that to the masses but he didn't do that with his disciples okay and that is a such a good picture of who we are and what our role is as moms okay um and this whole issue i think i'm oh, there my scarf has gone funky um this whole issue of time and the amount of time it takes um, to invest in discipling our kids is something I think um, that we can struggle with, um, whether we're um, full-time at home or whether we work outside the home. Okay, I know that um, during the season where I was uh, home schooling my kids, that there was a point in time where God really put his finger on this issue in my life. And... Um, I was reading through a particular book and came across this paragraph. And um, this first, the first few sentences I'm going to read, I want you to just kind of listen. And um, my, my perspective was, gosh, that's the kind of mom I want to be. Okay, listen to this. Um, she uses the term sympathetic to describe this. Sympathetic would describe the parent who is actively involved and interested in his child's life. Interests, amusements, concerns, fears, and delights. It is the parent who makes time to ask questions, talk, and respond to a child. A sympathetic parent understands that each child's distinctive personality is a gift from God that is to be accepted and affirmed, regardless of how different it may be from their own. Each child needs a different voice of discipline, a different touch of mercy, and a different word of encouragement. And each child has a special potential that the sympathetic parent sees and encourages. Okay? Isn't that, isn't that who you want to be? I, mean, I, I still strive for that. Okay? But here's where it got more difficult for me. However, though sympathy may be uncomplicated, it is not undemanding. It takes time to be a sympathetic parent, to spend enough time with your children to understand their childish thoughts and feelings, and to respond in a sympathetic way. For many busy parents who are in bondage to their calendar, was me, um, if, sympathy, if sympathy is not expedient, which it is not, then it will not be expressed. Having a heart of sympathy for your children will mean, by necessity, choosing a less busy lifestyle. It will mean lowering your expectations about what can and must be accomplished in a day. And that was my deal. If it means winning your child's heart, though, the trade-offs are well worth the results. Okay? So part of it is we have to decide what kind of parent do you want to be? Do you want to be this kind of parent? Do you want to be the sympathetic parent? Okay, that takes time. Okay, and as we look at that, we have to make life decisions in light of this truth. I am a task-oriented person. I like making my list. I even add things to my list that I've already done so I can cross them off. Um, and so even as a stay-at-home mom, I found that I was more focused on my list than I was listening and paying attention and being present with my kids okay so that's part of this whole picture of time um barna also touches on this issue uh 
um, in revolutionary parenting. There is no substitute for investing substantial time in your relationship with your children. Okay? All right. So we talked about um, discipleship requiring um, relationship as well as that taking time. Next we're going to talk about how discipleship requires vision. And there's really two aspects to this. Um, the first we see in Jesus. Jesus had a vision for who his disciples would become. Here he is talking to Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I can just see Jesus' eyes looking at Peter and speaking this vision into Peter. Because he had a vision for who Peter was going to be. Even though Peter didn't see it yet. And as moms, we have a very special role in having vision for our kids and communicating to that and encouraging our kids in that. Okay? Who do you want them to become? Okay? What is your vision for who you want your children to be? Okay? It is so easy for us to get lost in the dailiness of our lives that we don't take time to think this through. These are valid questions to spend time on, to spend time with your spouse and think it through. The vision incorporates a lot of different things but it also encompasses faith. What do you want their faith to look like? Um, what are their values? What values do you want to build into your children? What character is important okay, in the, in the lives of your children? And these are things that, that you build and you, you incorporate and you, you shoot for um, that helps keep you going on those long days. And those days where you're breaking up argument after argument between siblings, you remember, oh yeah, I'm, you know, the things that you're training them in and where you're headed on that, okay? Vision um, also incorporates a vision of your own role and the role that you as moms play in the life of your kids. And that, I mean, it just spans a myriad of things. I'm going to go through several that I thought of as I was going through, but this is by far not an exclusive list, okay? One of the first things, and a lot of you are probably in the midst of this right now, is discipline. Training your kids in discipline. That is a role that you as a mom play, okay? Obviously, and know, husbands have a, a role in that as well. But as you're with your kids and you're training them, what you're training and how you're training them and how you're disciplining them has an impact on who they're going to be as adults. Okay? And there are benefits and things that you can gain and things that you do as you're doing all that discipline is worth um, the time and the effort that you give it. Okay? As moms... Um, as you heard her go through and ramble off, there is so much instruction that we throw at our kids every day. We train them and instruct them in so many different things. Okay, And I'm sure all of us can think back and think of things in ways that our moms trained us and instructed us in different things. Okay, I just listed a few here. First of all, uh, we're instructing them in the scripture. Okay, You are the first one that is instructing them in teaching them the word of God and building that foundation in their lives. Um, I'm going to take a side here and do a little uh, plug. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the Starting Blocks playbook. Um, if you're not and your kids are like from 18 months to, to 5 years old, uh, the Starting Blocks playbook is uh, an email that we send in. You can opt into that email um, and we send that once a week and it tells you kind of what the kids learned in Sunday school and then gives you just a a list of tells what the memory verse is and then some activities that you can do during the week at home to um, train your kids and to instruct them and uh, reinforce the lesson that they heard on Sunday. Okay, so the playbook is a great thing. Um, our memory verses, um, Sarah Stellick has been so gracious to put those to music. And so if your kids are the age where they're starting to learn the memory verses, um, those are available on Watermark Radio. If you go to the parent channel and um, find... Uh, um, under Parent Channel, and then I think it just says Starting Blocks Memory Verses. Okay, and you can download all of those. They're very simple, but kids just learn scripture to music, and so I just want to make sure y'all knew that was available. Uh, morality. You are training your kids in morality throughout their lives, and what is right, what is wrong. You know, right now, probably for most of you, that looks like, no, it's not a good thing to hit your sister over the head with a baseball bat. Okay, um, and that type of morality. Where I am with my kids right now, that looks... Um, we're having much deeper and bigger conversations. Uh, my daughter is 11, and uh, we are, um, we've been having all of those mother-daughter talks about growing up and about sex. And um, I have just been so blessed to be the one who is having those conversations. Um, my mom did not do that 
with me. Um, it was just kind of an uncomfortable topic, and I'm not quite even sure how I learned um, how things work, but I did. And But it wasn't from conversations with her. And so um, Jessica and I last summer uh, spent a weekend away. We went down to Schlitterbahn, and we listened to a lot of James Dobson and talked about what it meant to grow up. Um, and just this last um, Two weeks ago, we went out and had a date together where we listened to Dr. Dobson explain exactly the mechanics of um, how babies come to be, and um, it was hysterical. Um, I'm in there, and she's listening to Dobson, and all of a sudden, I see her sitting like this. (laughs) And she later told me, she was like, this kind of makes me want to cross my legs. So um, it just made me laugh. She's so precious. But I did talk to her um, as I was preparing for this talk, and I asked her, you know, what's important to you about mom and having a mom? And she said her answer to me was having someone I can talk to about personal things. And so I'm just, you know, I'm so blessed to be the one to have that role in her life, to be training her um, and having those conversations with her. Uh, We also train our kids in wisdom. We offer them instruction on what's wise, um, what are wise choices, and what does that look like in all different areas of life. Uh, we train them in manners and um, how to speak to people, how to shake hands, how to sit at a table, how not to chew with your mouth open, and, and all those kinds of things, um, as well as in relationships, in relationships with one another and with siblings at home. We're doing constant training, and but they're learning. These are life skills that they're learning and that they're going to benefit from, that we have a particular role in training them in. Okay? We also have a very important role in protection of our children. When they're little, we're protecting them from harm and from um, learning not to touch a hot stove or not to run out in the street, um, protecting them from people who might harm them and being careful about that, guarding their hearts and their minds. And as they get older, there's decisions about you know, what types of entertainment and media and all those things that you allow into your home, um, how much time... On the computer, and you know, I feel like with teenagers, there's constant. I'm constantly having to assess what music are they listening to, what are they watching on the internet, um, and so. But that's a special role that we play um, as mom. I mentioned this earlier. Our, our role, um, as far as an encourager of our children, of understanding who they are and helping them believe in who God has created them to be and the purposes that he, that He has for their lives. Okay. Uh, We train them in skills, just practical things, uh, like how to do laundry, how to cook, how to make their bed, how to tie their shoes, um, how to read. Those are just precious, precious things. And I'm I'm so grateful to have shared in all those life things with my kids. And as they're getting older, and there's, you know, different things we're training them and trying to get them with the skills that they need to um, go out on their own. Uh, We also have a role in training their appetites. You know, are they... What appetites are you are they learning? What do they have um, a love for excellent things? Um, do they have a love? And one family I know, um, it was really important to them to train their children to love beautiful things, and so they made it a priority to, you know, have books that showed God's the beauty of God's creation, or paintings, or music, things that were beautiful. And some of these are going to vary from family to family as to what your values are. Um, I know in our household, one of the appetites that we've really worked hard at building with them. Um, has been uh, books, good books and reading. Um, From the time our kids were little bitty, uh, we were reading out loud to them. And all three of our kids are really good readers, and we're really thankful for that. Uh, Reading out loud is something we still do together as a family, um, and that's been important to us. And so that's an appetite that we have chosen um, to work at building in our kids' lives. Okay, And really the next step with the vision is really that you need... You've got to take that vision, and then you've got to make it into a plan. Okay, you, you've got to do the big thinking, and then you've got to take it and make it something you can work with. Um, I thought this was a great quote. This is from the uh, Barna book uh, from one of the, the parents that was interviewed. This, this parent said, I had to learn the hard way. Then unless I sat down, thought through where we were going as parent and child, how I was going to get there, and then developed some steps or milestones along the way, my efforts quickly deteriorated into satisfaction with getting through the day without doing someone bodily harm. I've been there a lot. Okay? Having a plan and some benchmarks was really important for me. Okay? And there's a few things 
that I would say about this. First of all, this is going to look different from family to family. Okay, Some of you are going to take this and you're going to go home and you're going to sit down with your husband and you're going to write out a very detailed 18-year plan for, um, for what's going to happen with your children. Okay, Others of us are not that detail-oriented. And ours is going to look very different than that. But that's okay. Okay, The thing is, um, doing something that works for you and gives you something that motivates you and keeps giving you perspective as you're pursuing the discipleship of your kids. Okay, um, I'd say a few things. First of all, it's important for you to communicate as a couple. Um, this is not something you want to do on your own and present it to your husband as where you're headed. Um, you want to do this together. You want to communicate on this. Um, sometimes a weekend away, um, an evening, you know, David and I have great conversations on Saturday mornings when the kids are occupied with doing their things um, along these lines. But it is something that you've got to reassess on a regular basis. Okay? You've got to make time again and again to kind of go back to, well, okay, this is where we were headed and how are we doing? How is this child doing um, in relation to where we want them to be? Okay, and reassess that. And let me just encourage you when you do that reassessing that you're going to have to make adjustments. Seasons change, kids change, and you're going to have to make adjustments. Something you did for a while may all of a sudden not be working. Maybe it worked for a while and now it's not working. Or maybe it never worked at all, so you need to dump it and try something else. Okay, um, Adjustments don't mean failure. I think if we have that mindset that having to adjust something means that we failed at it, we don't want to try again. Okay, So adjustments to these type of things don't mean failure. you just got to keep going and keep um, working your plan. This is also a time where you're going to take each child's uniqueness into account. Um, every one of your kids is different. Uh, mine all are. And they require different discipline, works differently with them. They're different strengths and weaknesses. And these are just ways that, which you put this all together, that you're going to take their uniqueness into account and figure out what each child needs for that season of life where you are. Okay. Um, and then... The last thing I want to talk about as far as what discipleship requires um, comes down to that discipleship requires that you are a disciple too. Okay? We cannot give away what we don't have. And it is so important that each of us is our, ourselves a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, um, you know, kids know a fake when they live with one. You know, if this is not real to us, if our faith is not real to us, they're going to know it. And it's going to, they're going to figure it out and it's going to be reflected in their lives. So it's really, really important that we pursue our relationship with him and make that a priority. Okay? And the reality is you need his strength. This is really hard work. Um, we need to be with him and to have his strength giving us the, um, what we need to get through each day. Um, I encourage you to spend regular time with Jesus and I know with little ones at home, that's just not an easy thing to do. Um, and don't beat yourself up over this. Give yourself lots of grace. God has grace and gentleness for you in this season. Uh, but don't give up. Keep pursuing it. Make it a priority. If it's five minutes or two minutes, you know, if you have to go in the bathroom and shut the door and get that little bit of time, do it. Just keep working it. Like I said, adjustments don't mean failure. Make an adjustment. Try something else if what you're currently doing is not giving you the time that you need with him. Okay, pray like you mean it. Um, I am an honest believer that I can do absolutely everything to the best of my ability in parenting my kids, and there's still no guarantees. Um, the matter of my child following hard after Christ really comes down to their heart, which is a place that only God has access to. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can, um, but... I've got to be praying. I've recently gone, started going back through the power of a praying parent. And it's just convicted me of all the things that I need to be praying about for my kids. And to really believe. I mean, we just in Christianity, we just kind of say, well, let's pray about it. Um, but really mean it. And, and as moms, moms, you can pray for your child in a way nobody else can. Okay? Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your marriage. And pray for your kids. Okay? Uh, and then live in community. Uh, we were not made to live this life alone. And having kids and raising kids is such hard work. We need each other. Um, I love the whole PlayLink thing where it gets y'all get together. And Watermark's really good at this. Um, but if you're isolated, it's just hard. 
And, and it's easy in this season of life to become isolated. Okay, so allow other people into your life. I was blessed um, through the young years of my kids' lives to have several women in my life. Uh, one of my best friends lived five houses down from me. And um, we just spent all sorts of time on the phone with each other and swapping kids with each other. And it just made that season so much less difficult than it could have been. And so um, take advantage of what we have to offer here at Watermark and get, in, get other people around you that you can live life with through this season. Okay? All right. So, really, um, when you look at it, motherhood is the most difficult, the most demanding, the most exciting, most rewarding job you will ever have. Um, I do believe with all my heart that it is a divine calling, and it is the highest calling, one of the highest callings that we'll ever have um, in our lives. Um, I had a friend of mine who said, you know, said I realized when I, my kids were little and I was, you know, looking at my options. She said I realized that other people could could provide them good quality care, but nobody else but me could provide the training and the instruction and um, the discipline and the nurture with the vision of who I wanted them to become besides me, that I was the only one who could do that. And so I really hope that um, what I presented today is encouraging to you, that um, you feel a little bit uh, more excited, um, that you're able to walk out a little straighter because you're a mom, um, and the role and that you have a bigger vision for what that means um, as a mom. And I'm looking at, I think we have enough time. Um, well, I do want to do some questions and answers, but I, I, um, I thought of this as I was uh, driving home yesterday. If we had time, um, I'd like to take just like five quiet minutes and um, ask you to, to make this practical. It's easy to hear a lot of things, but if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes and go back through the last few pages of the notes and to where it talks about discipleships, and um, write yourself some notes. Write yourself some notes about, okay, I want to talk to my husband about this, or I want to change this, or I want to add this, or I want to do this someday, um, so that as you leave, you have something in your hands um, that is practical for you. Of um, the vision for mom and what mom can do, highly, highly recommend this book uh, by Sally Clarkson called The Mission of Motherhood. Okay, she does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. A lot of my material came from her. Um, her ministry website is wholeheart.org. Okay, and they have a lot of great stuff. I really, really enjoy her, the whole picture of discipling your children and what that looks like. Um, this is one I didn't reference, but just to go ahead and put it out there, I just came across this. Um, this is a Focus on the Family book, Parents' Guide to the Spiritual Growth of Children. Um, awesome book. I haven't made it all the way through, but I am just really excited um, about this very, very practical. It's divided up by different um, ages of your kids and um, is chock full of ideas of how to uh, teach about this, that, or the other thing. Um, if you're familiar um, at all with uh, the whole idea of family nights, and there was a series of books called The Family Night Tool Chest. Um, one of the same authors is here, and they've got a lot of those kind of ideas in here. And um, just a really, really great resource. You can see some of my team took it and... Uh, uh, had a great time with it, so I just wanted to mention those. And I'm more than happy to take questions. Anything I can. Oh, okay. Uh. I um, grew up in a household that was wonderful, loving. My mom stayed at home, and it was a very, very child-centered household, though. So my brother and I were the center of everything. And in, in a way, it was great, and I'm a very confident person, but I'm also, I still struggle with feeling like the world revolves around me. So how do you, um, how do you build into your children all of these great things, but then also teach them they're not the center of the universe? <laughs> great question. Um, I think that comes in a lot of different ways. I think it comes, uh, first of all, from your attitude. Um, if your attitude is that they're the center of the universe and your life, you know, revolves around them and that your schedule revolves around them, um, that that, that communicates. Um, so I think there's ways that you can um, structure lives. Um, and 
You know, I know when mine were little, I was a scheduled person, and not everybody is, but that was important to me, um, that I know when naps were going to happen and um, when playtime was going to happen, and so because then I could get things done that I needed to do. And for me, that was a way of training my kids that they weren't the center of the universe. Um, and uh, I think as they grow, there's different ways of teaching them to um, uh, that you're that they have to respect you, okay? And the way they that the way they treat you, and and I think that's part of it as well. Um, let me mull on that, see if I come up with anything else. And but I think as they grow, as you teach them to serve, that's a big part of it as well. We try to make that a priority. Our kiddos. No, they're not, are they? Um, curious about your your children kind of teaching one another and learning from one another. And obviously you've got the older one and then you have the next one and the next mm-hmm. one. And I'm, I constantly find myself saying to my older one, if you do this, she's learning from you. And, and, and it's so true. They mm-hmm. see what she does and then they want to go and do that same thing, for better or for worse. But I find myself saying that a lot and thinking, I'm not getting anywhere with this. <laughs> you know, I mean, is there a way to instill that? And, and I think it is a good concept, but yet that's a lot of responsibility for a little one to think she has to teach. Right. Sibling, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's something we can use to our advantage when it works. <laughs> um, I, I think I did that some. I'm not sure. You know, I've tried it. Well, and, and I... I guess I have, I do appeal to that, you know, especially now that Micah's 14 and he's, he's, my younger two are 17 months apart, so they're kind of a pair. They really go together. Um, and Micah's three years older, so there's, there's a separation there, um, so that, um, even now as he's older and in the stage he's at, you know, I do have conversations with him about, look, you know, you're impacting them and your behavior impacts what they think is right to do. And if you lead out in this, they're going to follow you. Um, so I think it's a worthwhile thing, um, but I think it's you just got to balance it. You know, when they're little, like you said, that's a lot of responsibility that she meant, you know, I don't know how old she is, but... Uh. Yeah, I think you do just have to find a balance with that because there'll be times when that's a useful thing and it'll click with her, and there's times where it just doesn't mean anything. You know, so you just kind of have to... That's where you have to do what, you know, you mold and shape and... Um, yeah, there's lots that we have done. Um, in our household, I mentioned the dates uh, with parents. That's been a big piece of that. We've made it a priority to um, spend one-on-one time with them, um, particularly daddy to child. And um, we found that to be most important, especially because I was the one home with them. It was more important that they have that. Um, and so that's been important um, as my kids are older and now I'm the one out and not home with them as much, um, my time alone with them has become more important and trying to continue to make that a priority. Um, I'm a huge believer in family nights, taking one night a week and um, making it just family time where you do something fun. Um, and I'm happy to kind of give you my spiel. David and I have done a whole class on family nights. Um, but that's been important to us to have that relationship um, uh, family vacations, just things where you're together and where it's about you being together. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is um, just knowing our kids, being that sympathetic parent where we take time to listen to them and to try to understand them. Um, if, if I'm not a safe place for my child, if I've responded in anger, in a manner that I should not have responded to something they did, those heartstrings break right away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I've done, if I've blown it, I'll go back to my kids and apologize and say, look, mommy blew it. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? I should not have yelled at you. Um, my third born um, tests me or has tested me more than the other two. And I've blown it with him on many occasions because he can just get me over the edge and um, there have been so many times I've gone back to him and said you know Justin I I am so sorry I should not have yelled at you like I did and and he's Mr. Justice in the family he don't let me get away with anything you know so he'll usually call me on it um, which isn't pleasant um, but I have to get over myself and then come back to him and apologize um, 
but in, kids are so forgiving. You know, those those heartstrings bounce right back if I'm humble and if I'm saying, if I tell them I'm sorry and ask for their forgiveness. So, um, yeah. But I think that as we learn to um, respond to our kids and not react, um, we become we become that safe place and that those heartstrings are able to, that communication happens. Okay. Is your talk on um, the family night on the Watermark Radio, do you know? You know, I don't know. Do you know, Desi? That was a while back. Was it one on building blocks? Did you come to building blocks? No, it wasn't building blocks. It was okay. training day. Oh, I bet it might be then. <laughs> we would be happy to do that. Um, yeah, I think uh, one of our talk. we did a preschool discipline talk um, that I think is on. It was the training day talk. Um, but I don't know about that family night. That was quite a while ago. I'm not sure if that was recorded. I wait for the microphone. Can you tell us the name of the book that you quoted earlier about the sympathetic mother? Um, that's actually Sally Clarkson, um, same person as the um, Mission of Motherhood, but that quote is not from here. Um, it's from a book that she has called Educating the Wholehearted Child. Okay, you would find that on her website. I believe they just republished that. So that may, it, w- it wasn't available for a long time. Um, she is a homeschooling mom, so a lot of that kind of focuses on homeschooling, but she's just got great stuff. Um, she also has a book called The Ministry of Motherhood, where she goes through and looks at how Jesus discipled his, his um, followers and what that means for us as mothers. Okay, that's also an awesome book. Anything she or her husband have written is worth reading. Uh-huh. I just wanted to add something to what um, Ginger said. One great way to spend quality time with your kids, especially once they get in school, is don't get in a carpool. I know everybody thinks that's the answer to everything. It's going to simplify your life by being in a carpool. You miss out on so many opportunities to just visit with your child. There's There's no substitute for when they get in the car with you and what they will tell you. You will get the good and the bad and the ugly. And as they get older, sometimes I tell my kids, you verbally vomited on me. You just, you know, <laughs> spewed out. But you want them to be able to do that, and you want to be the one that they tell that to. And if they're in a carpool with a bunch of other kids, by the time they get home, all those things that they've bottled up all day, they're gone. And so, now, I, I mean, I, was, I had the season where I did the carpool. And sometimes if you have multiple kids and they're in different schools, you have to do what you have to do. But I would just say... Cherish that time. I, my kids are at the stage now where they they play, they each play sports, and so I'll have you know multiple runs up to school. And I just instead of looking at it like, oh my gosh, I have to go back up to school more time. It's like, yes, I get 45 minutes just with that kid, and you know it's it's a great thing. So yeah. that's another one of those. The world will tell you that you know you got to be in a carpool, and you just if you can just look at it as just this gift of time in the car and one of my friends I was moaning one day about my multiple drives and she's like oh I would give anything to be able to drive my daughter again now she drives herself everywhere that she goes and now having one that's 15 and about to start driving in a year it just kind of brought it all home and I know you're thinking what's she talking about I've got all these car seats and I'm strapping them in and stuff but it's like Ginger said before you know it it will be over, ladies, and you will be, where did the time go? So just hang in there and, um, and persevere. 